0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in.
1: Good to see everyone here this morning. Please take your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. And uh, it is a privilege and honor to fill the pulpit this morning and to speak to you. Uh, I'll remind you, we have the greatest message that could ever be heard, and that's that God loves sinners. Jesus died for you, and uh, there's nothing you can do to get to heaven on your own. The only thing you can do is place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, And the Bible says you'll be given the gift of eternal life. Isn't that great news? I hope you've received that this morning. And if not, God certainly will uh, present that gift to you if you're willing to accept it. Um, As you're turning to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, I want to ask you a question that I already know the answer to. And uh, I want to ask you, how many of you like to be comfortable you're like me. I mean, we're talking AC, mid-60s in the summertime, right? Reclining chair. Uh, if you're anything like me, I, I like um, knowing what's around each corner so I can be prepared. I like to be in control. I don't like all the surprises. Um, I like tradition. I like things that I'm familiar with. And I suppose you're the same way. However, if we're not careful to get out of our comfort zone... We're going to miss out on so much. You know, God wants to stretch you this morning. He wants you to step out a little bit. He wants you to operate in the realm of faith to see what he can do in your life. And I want to remind you, uh, God can take you so much further than you could ever go on your own. And there's one key factor. It's called faith. Um, Our comfort zone, especially as Americans, our comfort zone it really isn't our friend when it comes to walking with God. Uh, the more comfortable we are, the less we're going to trust the Lord. Amen? Are you with me? You following where we're going here? Uh, be careful that your comfort won't spoil you. Um, I have uh, I have experienced first-class airline flying a couple times. How many of you have ever flown first-class? You got to be careful. That'll spoil you. Uh, the, the first time I ever fl- flew first-class, I... I was amazed at the experience. I mean, from the get go, when the stewardesses call you up, they've got a smile on their face. It's almost like they've been waiting for you. They give you that VIP treatment. Uh, you walk on the plane, and before you even hit the seat, they're asking you, "What kind of coffee could I get you? Would you like coffee or tea?" And and, uh, and serving breakfast with like china, you know. And and uh, the first time I found myself in that situation, I'm eating uh, breakfast while people are still getting on the plane. And I'm thinking, this is great. Uh, reclining seats, big, lots of room, and people are coming on the plane, and you can just see them kind of looking down at what you're eating, and you can see the envy in their eye. I know because I do that when I walk past first class. But sitting there eating my, my steak and eggs and drinking my special uh, coffee, and and I look over at my wife and I say, I don't, I, shouldn't there be like a back door for them? I mean, why do they have to walk right next door? There should be a door back. They shouldn't come in the same. My wife looked at me and she said, man, this is really spoiling you. And uh, it did, it did. And then the next connecting flight, we were all the way in the back by the bathrooms. Seats don't recline and the stewardesses are looking at you like you're a terrorist or something. And, and, uh, but I'm just saying, be careful not to get spoiled. In our text, we're going to read about how God stretches the disciples. We're going to find out in in this story that faith is the only way for God to get you where he wants you to be. And I have to say, and I'm preaching to myself here this morning, that storms are faith builders. When God allows you to sail through a storm, he's trying to get you somewhere that only that storm can do in your life. Storms show that God actually cares about you and loves you. So let's read Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway, Jesus spake unto them saying, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. The title of this message this morning is Getting Out of Your Boat. Now, there are two truths that we see all throughout the Bible. The first one is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The second truth is, without faith, it is impossible to please him, referring to God. And in our story, we're going to deal with the second principle, the second truth, and we're going to talk about what faith can do in the midst of a storm. Now, the context is is, is this. Uh, uh, Jesus and the disciples were out into in the, the desert, and uh, there were multitudes that followed him, and uh, they were hungry. And the disciples looked at five loaves and two fishes, and they said, What are we gonna do? We're in a mess. And the Lord taught them a lesson about faith and what God can do. And he multiplied those five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus fed with five loaves and two fishes, 5,000 men plus women and children. When a little boy heard this story, he said, well, they must not have been that hungry. No, 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 no. That's that's not what happened. You see, God can take any common ordinary situation and do something miraculous. Miraculous. These fishermen, these disciples out on the Sea of Galilee, they've been out there before. They've experienced uh, storms before, but not like this one. And so here's the context. God is trying to teach them with, with, with feeding the 5,000, little as much when God is in it. Don't ever underestimate what the Lord Jesus Christ can do in the storms. Let's pick up now, and I want you to notice in verse 22 the constraining. Do you see Jesus had to constrain these guys to get on a boat? Notice again, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him under the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So what that tells me is these disciples, they did not want to get into the ship, to go on the Sea of Galilee. They just Jesus actually had to constrain them to get in that ship and to go. And and why is that? I don't know, but I I know in my life when the Lord says, I want you to go here or I want you to go there, quite often I'm hesitant. Are are you like that sometimes? I mean, these guys, these were some professional fishermen. Be sure that your professionalism doesn't get in the way of you following the Lord. Hey, when God says go, it's not always going to make sense. And that's where faith comes in. And all we have to do is just take that first step of obedience. Regardless of what we see, I would imagine maybe they were tired. That's why they didn't go. Perhaps most likely James or John, they took out their, 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 their phone and said, look at the weather app. Jesus, do you see this? Come on, the weathermen they're never wrong. Uh, Jesus is looking at that saying, Hey, listen, boys, I want you to go. It's not always going to make sense. Jesus is sending them right into a storm. That does not make sense. Let me tell you, following the Lord is not always going to make sense. But he wants you just to take that first step. He's not always going to show you the big picture. Can I tell you why? I was thinking about this. If he showed us where we're going to end up without the journey first, we would never take that first step. But as we take that first step of faith and obedience, can I tell you what happens? We grow. You take one step and we grow. You take another step. Your trust in the Lord grows. And by the time you get out on some deep water, you've got a track record. And you know what God is capable of. And I'm just saying the Lord, he had to constrain them. What if they didn't go? They would have missed out on seeing the Lord walk on water. So here they are, uh, they're taking that first step of obedience. It it, it doesn't make sense. But notice in verse 23, the Lord is watching. Verse 23, uh, a heavenly perspective. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, uh, he was there alone. So the Lord will, will call us and send us out to go do something. And he's seated up at the right hand of the Father. The Lord's up in this mountain and he's got a heavenly perspective. He's looking down and he sees the the big picture. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows exactly where he's sending you and me. He's got our back. We can trust in a God like that, that knows everything, that sees everything. He's not going to send you somewhere and say, well, I have no idea how this is going to turn out he's not going to do that. Years ago, we had a, we had an activity at our church and, and uh, in the gymnasium there, uh, you could go upstairs and you could look out some windows and you could look down on the gym. And we had this uh, team building activity where you would, uh, you'd pick a a, a teammate and uh, you would be blindfolded in the gym and you had to walk through an obstacle course and uh, you were on your phone with your, with your teammate. He's up looking down over the gym and he has to walk you or she has to walk you through the obstacle course. All you had to do was trust and walk. And so they would, they would look out and say, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take uh, two steps. And they, they would take two steps and they're blindfolded. Okay, now I want you to turn about 30 degrees to the left. And they'd turn to the right. No, to the left, to the left. Okay, now take step over, just one step over. And you know what I noticed? How hesitant everyone was that was blindfolded because they had to trust the voice. They couldn't see, but you, at the end of it, when they took the blindfolds off, they, they, you, you realize this was simple. All I had to do was take two steps, a step over here, turn this way. It was really easy if you just trusted the voice. And I thought about my walk with the Lord and how how simple life would be if I just had the faith to follow and trust and you could actually enjoy walking through something like that. And you see, that's the picture here is the Lord is up on a mountain and he could see them even when they couldn't see him. He said, go, I want you to go to the other side. All they had to do was just go and enjoy the journey. But look at verse 24. Obedience can lead to rough sailing, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. They were probably about three and a half miles out because I think the sea was somewhere around seven miles, and uh, they were tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. Have you ever been there? You, you, You muster up enough faith to follow the Lord and go where he wants you to go, and then you run right into a storm. And it just seems like, man, the more I try to do for God, the more resistance there is. That's a good thing. You can't grow without resistance. So being tossed here and there, it's not always a bad thing. Obedience can lead to rough sailing because God is trying to produce something in you. You can be exactly in the will of God and in a storm at the same time. Did you know that? Uh, pastor uh, last Wednesday night. It was a, a, a fabulous study through the book of Jude. And he was teaching us uh, uh, that, that this idea that God just wants you to be happy all the time and prosperous and wealthy and, and have great health. That's not the God of the Bible. We are called to suffer from time to time. And that doesn't mean that God is pouring His wrath out on you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. I'm just saying this morning, God wants to work in you and through you. Obedience can lead to some rough sailing, but that's where we get stronger. And that's where our faith grows. And quite often we scratch our head and we think, well, this is strange. I I obeyed God, and now I'm going through a really hard time. Well, Peter said, beloved Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. It's not a strange thing. It's a God thing. Storms are bridge builders, and they will build your faith. It's God's plan for your life. And we need to be careful that when we step out by faith and we're tossed uh, and there's resistance, we need to remember this. Listen, when you're in the middle of that dark storm, don't, do, don't doubt in the dark what God gave you in the light. You know what, you know what storms are? Training wheels are taken off. I mean, I, how many of you like these mountaintop experiences where just, you, I mean, you're singing victory in Jesus and you're living it and experiencing it and sharing it. And God says, okay, you're doing really good. Time to take the training wheels off. And he brings a little storm in your life. Hey, don't don't forget about those mountaintop experiences. God is with you on the mountaintop and God is with you in that valley. Notice in verse 25, again, storms are good. Uh, Why? Because that's where Jesus shows up and reveals himself in a miraculous way. Look in verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. That's miraculous. You see, there was a blessing in this storm. Now, there are all types of storms. And you need to remember when your life is shattered by something, God is very creative. And God will take that shattering, and he'll take all those broken pieces scattered everywhere. You, you, you lost the, the picture of life. You lost the purpose, and and God sees all these scattered pieces and he brings them together and he creates a beautiful mosaic that could only be made through that shattering. Stick with the Lord. Don't lose faith. He's working something in that storm. Now there are all types of storms. There's there's storms of correction. I hate those storms because I know I did this. This is my fault. Uh, There's storms of perfection. There are circumstantial storms where where there's just no control. It just just happened. By the way, as a side note, we live in a sin-cursed world. Bad things are going to happen. Maybe there's someone here this morning and some really bad things have happened to you. Don't shake your fist at God. God says, listen, I gave man a free will. I started this thing out perfect. A a sinless world, a paradise. And man is the one that messed it up. Sin came into the world and death by sin. So death has passed upon all men for that all have sinned. This isn't God's fault that we live in a sin-cursed world. Just, Just remember that when circumstantial storms come your way. Sometimes there's theological storms. And God will rock your world and you just won't find anything in the Bible. Uh, this makes absolutely no sense. This is challenging my theology. Oh yeah. There are relationship storms and financial storms and the list goes on and on and on. But remember, there's a purpose in that storm. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while. Listen, the purpose, make you perfect. That's not sinless, That's maturity. Uh, that's completion. Establish you and strengthen you and settle you. How many of you say, "Boy, I'd like to experience that"? Apps, Ab- shake your, do this. Shake your head. You're afraid to because you know how God does that. He only does that through a storm, and you can rejoice in that storm because you know that's what God's going to do in you. Storms will prepare us to help others. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four, you know about that. God will allow you to go through things and he'll give you special comfort in that storm that he would never give you outside of that storm for a purpose. So you can then take that special comfort and comfort someone else that goes through that. You see, a storm is a ministry builder. When you go through a storm, you got to remember God's preparing me for ministry to be a blessing and a comfort to someone else. Number two, you need to look for Jesus in the storm. One of the most incredible verses in the Bible is Philippians 1.10. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. When we go through despair and darkness, discouragement in the valley of the shadow of death, that's a place where comfort comes, but a very special comfort. It's a a way that God can wrap His loving arms around us and we can experience that intimacy and that personal connection with God that we will only experience in that darkness. And sometimes this can be confusing. Notice in verse 26, the confusion. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Aren't storms confusing? Sometimes they, 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 they spin you around, and you don't know up from down, and, and sometimes all you know is I'm saved by grace, and that's all I know, but I have no idea what's going on in my life. We need to be very careful in these storms because they can be confusing. Now, on the Sea of Galilee at this time, the Jews, you got to remember, the Jews were not sea, seafaring people. They were desert nomads. And all through the scriptures, the, the Bible uses the water and the sea as a metaphor for danger and evil and judgment. And it was, it was commonly believed that the underworld, e- demonic spirits would come up out of the water. And so this is going on through, uh, through their minds. It was also believed that, that if you are about to sink or go down in this Sea of Galilee, that the ghost or a spirit of a fisherman that had sunk before and died was coming to give you a sign, you're about ready to, to uh, we're, we're welcoming you. And so this is going through the disciples' mind when, when they saw this. They got very superstitious. Be careful not to be too superstitious or superstitious at all when you're going through a, sto- a storm. I have seen Christians, I mean, Christians that, that walk with the Lord, that know the Lord, when they get into a storm, they start going back to some really weird things. Listen, you, you don't need a sorcerer in a storm, you need the Savior. Stick with the word of God. Don't doubt in the dark what God gave you in the light. Stick with the Lord. He's working in you. Notice in verse 27, you can hear really good in a storm. And this doesn't make any sense because obviously the wind is blowing and the waves are crashing. and But they heard the Lord's voice. Verse 27. But But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying... this is kind of funny, be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. Now that, that doesn't really make any sense, but walking on water doesn't make any sense either. How did they hear him in the midst of this storm? I want to tell you something. They were desperate. They had their spiritual ears on and listen, here's one of the blessings in a storm. If you listen and you're needy, and you're diligently seeking after God, you're going to hear His voice. And I want to tell you, there's no sweeter voice that you could ever hear other than the Lord's voice. When I was 25 years old, I was in the darkest place of my life. I didn't know the Lord. I had never heard the Lord's voice before. I was religious but I was lost. Can you relate to that? Is there anyone here like that? Before you were saved and came to know the Lord, you you knew about religion, but there's a big difference between knowing your religion and knowing the Lord and having that relationship. I got to the place in my life where I was searching so diligently for God and answers and what the purpose was in life. I was was listening and unfortunately... (laughs) The devil knows when you're listening, and there are a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of spirits out there, and he'll speak to you, but when you hear the Lord's voice, you're going to know it, and it is going to transform you inside and out. Remember, I was so hungry and thirsty for for God. And I, I couldn't find them. I was, I was reading books on Hinduism and I was talking with Muslims and, and, uh, and every spiritual thing I could get my hands on. And I remember just, just dying to hear God's voice. I got in the habit of going home after work and, and getting up on the roof of our house. We had a little garage behind our house and I'd get up there and I would just lay up there for hours, looking at the stars and I just figured, God, I, I know you're there. And if you can if you can hang those stars out there in that sky, certainly you can speak to me. It wouldn't be that hard. And I, I begged God over and over and over endless hours, please speak to me. Where are you? Show me that you're really there and, and, and what I need to do and, and how to solve these issues in life. Please speak to me. I would drive out into the country roads late at night. One time I got stuck on the side of the road. That was really embarrassing. My, my They're like, what were you doing out there? I was looking for God. And, and, and this world can get so noisy, can it? It can get so noisy. I just figured I need to get out. I needed to go out in those country roads and maybe it would get quiet enough that I could hear God. And I didn't hear him. But I knew he was there because I saw the evidence. I saw his handiwork, but I needed to hear the voice of God. And it wasn't until I was invited to go on a a Christian retreat. And what I did was I pleaded my case to everybody I I knew. There's got to be more to life. I don't know what the purpose of life. Hey, when God hears that diligent cry, he'll send a missionary. He'll send a Christian. And God sent a Christian my way and said, Matt, I know what you need. You need the Lord. And I was invited to go on a a men's Christian retreat. And I got out there October 21st, 1997. I was 25 years old. And listen, when I gave my sin to Jesus Christ, I heard the voice of God, I love you. And that transformed me from the inside out, knowing that God loved me and Jesus took my sins away. Hey, listen, I was desperate. And I've learned even now as a Christian, if I don't go through a storm, I'm not going to have that hunger to hear God's voice. I'm just saying this this morning. Storms are a blessing because you listen and you must hear God's voice. Speak to me. Now, this this is where it gets really radical. Notice in verse 28, and Peter answered him, And said, Lord, that's a good way to start out. Lord, it shows submission and authority. If, so Peter's doubting, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Now that's pretty radical right there. I like that. You know what Peter's thinking? Peter's thinking, listen, this boat is going down. This boat is sinking. And my only hope is Jesus If that's Jesus, my only hope is Jesus. Can I tell you, if you're here and you're not saved, your boat is going down. And without Jesus, there's no way you're going to get to heaven. You will sink and you will be found guilty before a holy God and you will not go to heaven. There is a literal heaven and there is a literal hell. You must be born again. You need Jesus. Some people, they think, well, I'll put one foot in the boat of Jesus and one foot in my boat. Your boat has a hole in it. It's called sin. You got to take both feet and put it in trust in Jesus. Amen. But Peter's thinking we're going down and I, and I know we serve a radical God. Peter's thinking, I know back in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus was able, he was just sleeping in a boat. I mean, we were going down in that boat, and he's just there sleeping, and he had power over the elements, the water and the wind. If that's Jesus, I'm going to be okay going out there with him. Maybe Peter's thinking uh, back in uh, Matthew chapter 10, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out. We're talking about the original Ghostbusters here, amen? And he's thinking, if I get out here, and this is not Jesus, I've got the power given to me to cast this thing. I don't know. Maybe maybe in uh, he remembered in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, when Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe Peter's thinking, I remember that voice. Uh, when, when the Lord said, come, come unto me, there was such passion and truth And and, 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 in mystery. Maybe if I could just get this, whoever it is out there to say, come, I'd recognize that voice and I'll get out there. I don't know, but I know that Peter said, all I need to do is I, if that's Jesus, that's where I need to be. And I'll be safe out there. Some of the earliest memories I have were in the water, a little baby pool and and the, the earliest memories. I, I grew up in the water. My mom says I, she thinks I was part fish. I think maybe maybe I'm one of the missing links or something. But evolved into you know. But uh, I grew up in the water, and and I remember watching the, the 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 guys jumping off the diving boards. And man, I wanted to do that. I remember the first time ever jumping off a diving board. And and I get up there, and man, it was only about this uh, above the, this far above the water. But I got up there. It looked terrifying, just a little guy. I mean, it was, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. And you, you, you back away. But can I tell you, I remember jumping in that water. Can I tell you why? Because my father was down in that water. My dad was down there. And he's down there saying, come on, Matthew, you can do it. I'll catch you. I'm down here. And that gave me the courage to jump, to take the plunge. Because my, my, my father was down there. And wherever my father was, as a little boy, I knew I was safe. Listen, church, your father is beckoning you. Hey, come on out. Step on out by faith. I'm here. You're gonna be okay. I can control the wind. I can do amazing things with water. I can turn it into wine. I can, I can part the Red Sea and make the water congeal together. Uh, back in creation, I, I separated the waters and made the sky in the firmament. I can make an axe head uh, 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 not sink. Hey, the Lord can do anything with water. And He can do anything with you. When's the last time you did something for the first time. Hey, when's the last time you did something completely by faith? You said, "Well, you're getting a little radical there." We serve a radical God. We serve a God that says, "Hey, nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard for me." And I want to, I want to work through you. And it's not about your capability. It's not about your professional experience. Matter of fact, the weaker you are. And the less experience you have, God says, oh, now I can work with that. Because when I do something miraculous in a person like that, they're not going to take the glory for it. They're going to lift me up. This is exciting stuff. God wants you to step out of the boat this morning. Verse 29. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he he walked on the water to go to Jesus. This is what we call walking by faith. This is literally walking by faith. Faith is measured by feet, not by feelings. We need to put some shoe leather to our faith. Regardless of, of, of where we are and where God is calling us, It has to be by faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith is a mark of spiritual maturity. Faith starts where logic ends. Faith is equated to relinquishing your control and capability. You ever go to the imagination station downtown? You ever ride that that bike? It's like 25 feet on a wire, and you, you ride on this bicycle across this wire. I remember the first time doing that. Remember, you get up there if you're crazy enough to do it, and uh, and they have a weight on the bottom of it. And um, I'm not, you know, I can't give you all the technical things, but it's impossible, unless you weigh like 1,500 pounds, it's impossible for you to tip over because of this weight down there. It's math. You figure it out. But you're not always going to understand that stuff. You look at it, you say, I ain't doing that. There's no way. I mean, what if that thing starts going like this and, you know, and but it's impossible. Don't trust your eyes. Trust the word. But, you know, you, you get out there. The first, the, the, the scariest part is that first little pedal there once you get out. But once you get out, you know what happens? You realize, I'm not, I'm not going to die. And, uh, and you start enjoying it. Matter of fact, you start doing this Hey, you know, and uh, hey, faith is kind of fun. It's 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 radical, but it but it's it can be enjoyable. Remember uh, one time there was a there was a lady. Um, let's just put it this way: she wasn't she wasn't skinny, okay. And they put the they put the belt around her, and it drew a crowd because now people are thinking: now we're going to see if this really works. And she she gets out there, and she lost it. In the I mean, she. They had to pull her back in and it was, it was, you know, it was doing that. They had to pull her back in and, uh, but she didn't die. He, she trusted something that didn't make sense to her. But, but, but I see it this way. I, I see Peter. He's, he's got, he's got, a, he's the, the Lord says, come. And, and he's going down. The boat's going down anyways. Listen, this boat, this world, it's going down. Hey, we're all going to, unless the rapture happens, we're all going down. We ought to just step out by faith, amen, and trust the Lord and, and live it up for the Lord because this this world is going to hell. We're, they say, well, do you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No, you can be so earthly minded, you're no heavenly good. Hey, we're going to, born again believers, we're going to live with the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. I I'm afraid of having regrets. I just want to let go of the boat and step out by faith and have all of eternity to, to look back and say, well, at least I tried. But I look at it this way. Here's Peter. He's got his hand on the boat. The, bo- the Lord's saying, come. And he puts one foot down. And he looks at the Lord, and the Lord just kind of smiles. You see, Peter's about to learn a, a very valuable principle. He he puts his right foot in and he, right foot in, left foot out. no, no. no. He tries to, he does the right foot and then the left foot. And the Lord's just kind of smiling. You're going to get it here in a second. And Peter realizes that it's either both feet or he ain't going out on the water. It's either complete trust in the Lord or God's not going to use it. Peter realized he had to put both feet out and completely let go of the boat And that's when the miracle happened. I don't know where you're at here this morning. Maybe your boat is experience. And by the way, it's all comfort. Maybe your boat is tradition. Maybe your boat is religion. Maybe your boat is self-sufficiency. Maybe your boat is pride. Maybe your boat is a relationship. Whatever it is, you got to be willing to let go of that comfort And again, there's nothing wrong with comfort. But when the Lord is beckoning you to come, you better let go. And watch God do something miraculous in your life. Think about all the things we do in life by faith. We drive by faith. Have you thought about that? Today on your way home, you're going to be zipping by cars, sometimes this close, and you don't even think about it. You're trusting your life with people going by and you don't even think about it one wrong move and and you're dead but we drive by faith we eat by faith how many of you like cheerios do you examine every cheerio before you put it in your mouth you read the box and what you read you read the word and you just trust it there could be rat poisoning in there (laughs) speaking about eating by faith i think it was the first week i started working here uh, Six, seven weeks ago, uh, Paul Taylor and I, we went out to make a hospital visit and it was lunchtime. And I said, "Uh, Paul, uh, let's get some grub. He said, I'm in. Paul always will eat, by the way. Uh, I know I've noticed. You know what I like about this church? The guys like to eat. They never turn away a meal. And I I fit in really good here. But I said, Paul, let's grab something to eat. He said, "Okay, what do you want? I said, I like I like all kinds of I like trying different types of food. I like all these ethnic foods. He's like, well, uh, let's do it. I'm like, cool, man. We're going to get along good. I said, I know of a Jamaican restaurant uh, over here on Bancroft Road. I, I've always wanted to go there. He said, okay, let's. He didn't flinch. We get into this Jamaican restaurant, it's in a gas station on Bancroft Road. You know what Paul does? He orders curry goat in a gas station on Bancroft Road. I stuck with the curry chicken, but I'm just saying, we eat by faith. And it was really good, by the way. We drive by faith. Why not trust God by faith? Well, that sounds kind of risky. <laughs> risky, as if God doesn't know what He's doing. God knows exactly what He's doing. I, I always think about this story I heard about uh, some some guy coming to a river, and it was winter time, and and the, and um, the river was frozen. But he was afraid of falling in because the ice wasn't wasn't that frozen, and so he's on his stomach. And he's just carefully going across because he doesn't want to fall in. And he looks up and he hears some horses coming and they just run right across. It was only that deep. <laughs> and how often is it with our walk with the Lord? We, he says, I want you to come. And we're like, oh, okay, Lord. You know, He's not going to let you go. He's not going to let you fall. But, but notice, here's what happens in verse 30. Our focus is so important. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Get this now. Focus affects our faith, and it can bring fear if it's not in the right place. It's better to get out of the boat and sink a little bit than not to get out of the boat at all. Uh, We learn that without Jesus, you will sink, and unbelief will hinder God's work in your life. God may let you sink a little bit, so you call up a little bit more. His his eyesight was fine, but he saw the wind and the water. Even before he got out of the boat, what changed? His focus. You see, your focus, get this, your focus has a lot to do with your faith. What you put in your eyes and in your mind will affect your heart. And that's why the Lord's always trying to get the word of God in front of our eyes because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so his sight was fine. His focus was bad. What what made the difference between the, the spies that went out to Canaan and David? When the spies went out to spy out Canaan, you know what they saw? You know what they got their eyes on? The giants. We're like grasshoppers. We can't do it. Fear filled their hearts. Yet David, little David, and big Goliath. David didn't have his his eye on Goliath. He had his eye on God. And it determined his faith. And all he could see was an uncircumcised Philistine and a really big God and a really small giant. And he got the victory. What are you focusing on? Listen, God doesn't want wind watchers. He wants water walkers. Get your eyes off the wind. Get your eyes off the water and get it on the Lord. Step out by faith. Try God. Well, verse 31, it's just a reality. When we get out there, we can get a little scared. Verse 31, we see a gentle correction. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of no faith? little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And I don't think the Lord was rebuking him. I think he had a smile on his face (laughs) because the Lord was pleased that Peter got out of the boat. Listen, all those disciples, they heard the same sermon. They heard, come. They all saw the same Savior. Only one got out of the boat. Speaking about imagination station, Back in 1984, it was called Portside. How many of you remember that? They were going to try to revitalize and revive Toledo. So they built that building, had all kinds of outside shops, and, and just under, at the Imagination Station, that, just under that wire there, there, I don't even know, I haven't been there a long time, but there's a, there was a stage there. That was the center stage for the Portside and the grand opening. Now, back in this time, um, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was about yay tall. And uh, do you know what was really popular back in the early 80s? Breakdancing. And I was a breakdancer. Why? I don't know. It just looked like we were having seizures and people got entertainment out of that. We could spin on our heads and our backs and our arms and, and pop and lock and do the worm thing. No, do not ask me to do that after service. I will hurt myself. But I was a break dancer. me and my best buddy, Damien. And, uh, and we heard that there was entertainment needed for the grand opening. And we auditioned, and they were going to pay us. And there was one problem. Suburban breakdancers were a little bit different than city breakdancers. We just weren't quite as groovy, but you know what we did? We thought, you know what? We're going to do this. We may not be good enough. And we had doubt. Oh, we almost backed out at the last minute, but we did it. We practiced and and we, we mustered up some courage and we got there. We had our outfits on and, uh, and uh, it was like two o'clock on a Saturday. And the, some guy got the, the, uh, the, the microphone and said, we're gonna have some break dancing. And me and my friend are out there on this stage and people just came out of the woodwork. My dad, he's a numbers guy. He said, man, I think there were at least 2000 people there. <laughs> so me and my friend were there and we see people all around the balcony, all everywhere. And we're like, we can still get out of this. I can run this way and you can run that way. We weren't very good. But Herbie Hancock began to play and we began to do our moves. And listen, we did it. And that was a pretty big deal for a couple young guys that didn't know how to break dance. Afterwards, I had one of my friends come up to me and he said, hey, man, good job. Some other guy, I didn't even know who he was. He came up and said, man, you guys messed up. You 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 didn't do that, right? You didn't do that. And I remember what my friend said. I never forgot it. He said, hey, where were you? And he said, what? He said, where were you when he was up there? And he kind of stopped this guy in his tracks. He said, you can't say anything down here until you go up there. And until you go up there, you just stay down here. And this guy, just looked at him, and he just walked away. Hey, listen, that that lady that wasn't so skinny that got on that bicycle, she got out there. Hey, listen, as a little kid, I got out there. Hey, listen, when a, when a child of God attempts to do something great for God by faith even if they sink a little bit, the world is going to critique us. But God have mercy when we critique each other as children of God, when we step out by faith and try to glorify God. Don't criticize someone like that. At least Peter stepped out of the boat. I would imagine the guys are guys. Some of the disciples probably poked some fun at Peter. And I know exactly what Peter would have said. Hey, where were you when I was out on that water? You were in that boat. I want to say this morning, it's about time God's people step out of the boat and walk on water. He won't let you sink. And who cares if someone makes fun of you? Because when you get to heaven, God is going to reward you, not for your capability, but for your faith. How many of you have been so encouraged by someone that wasn't capable, but they just stepped out by faith? I've been so encouraged over the years by people that weren't capable, but they had enough faith to do amazing things. I believe God wants to use you this morning. And the only way He's going to use you is if you let go of the boat, put both feet in, and step out. The conclusion of the story is Jesus gets glory for it. And in one of the other gospels, you know what it says? It says they had hard hearts. They had hard hearts. It's a hard issue because it's a faith issue. Will you step out of your boat this morning? And will you trust the Lord? you got to let go. I don't know what it is, but God does. And I bet you he's putting his finger on it this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? And as you bow your heads, would you ask the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And what do you want me to let go of? You see, God doesn't want you just to survive a storm. He wants you to thrive in the storm.
0: You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.